When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to another Buckeye Talk. Douglas Maurice here with you from Cleveland.com. Make sure you're reading us at Cleveland.com slash OSU as often as possible. Fan podcast today. It's going to be just me, but not just me. Four diehards, four loyal listeners, four smart fans joining me to discuss the state of of the Ohio State football program. I've been writing about that. I've written about the quarterback, Justin Fields. I've written about the young talent, headlined by Toronto Mitchell. And I wrote about my conversation with Michael Drake, the president of Ohio State, and what the administration thinks of the football program right now. Two more coming, Garrett Wilson and the offense, and then a big Ryan Day piece from my sit-down with Ryan Day uh, in his office during spring football. But today, for this podcast, we have four legends. Chase Richardson, Cynical Negro, G. Nilly, and Nikki Unders. You know their names. You know their questions. Now you will hear their voices as we go through my Twitter poll that I put out there this week asking you to rate your feelings on different aspects of the Ohio State football program as we do the state of the program. And then with each of them, we delved into a different thing. So that's going to be the first half of this. Get ready for about an hour of those four guys. Then we're going to come back with some of my thoughts, your questions, your comments from the text, um, our Ohio State text team. If you guys have joined that, get signed up at cleveland.com right now. You can find it on my Twitter at Doug Maurice. It's free for the month of May. It's free for the month of May. If you were not certain about trying this out, you get one or two texts a day from me in your phone year-round about Ohio State football. Normally, it's $3.99 a month. We're giving it to you free for May to try it out. If you haven't tried it, please try it. People like it. I will send you texts about this kind of stuff. So give that a shot. A lot of people responded this week. I, I put this rating system about the state of the program out there and got a lot of great responses from people. I don't have time always to go respond to everybody, but we're going to talk about those responses here. But first, we're going to talk straight to four fans I'm going to run all these guys right together. This is your intro. We're going to go again in order. Chase, Cynical Negro, G. Nilly, Nikki Unders, and we're leading off with our man, Chase Richardson, right now here on our State of the Buckeye series and our fan podcast on Buckeye Talk. 
Here on our fan edition of Buckeye Talk, this, might, this guy might be number one. This guy might be the most loyal Buckeye Talk listener around. Our friend and yours, Chase Richardson, joining the pod. Chase, how are you? Hey, Doug. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. Listen, um, appreciate your time today. And we are digging into our Twitter poll as we discuss the state of the Buckeyes. So uh, we're going to run through your answers to all the questions I put out there on Twitter um, about different things. And then we're going to dig in a little bit on Ryan Day and the coaching staff. But just for everybody as a reset... We asked people, four, three, two, one, four was the greatest confidence, one was the least amount of confidence um, in different aspects about the Ohio State program. So what was your overall rating, Chase, four, three, two, one, on how you felt right now about the program in general? So I said three. Um, obviously, when you lose someone who's you know, considered a living legend like Urban Meyer, I don't think you can go four without seeing some type of on-field result with Ryan Day as the full-time head coach. But I think he's done a really good job in kind of keeping, you know, the ship upright. Uh, I mean, there were some recruiting uh, hiccups, you know, guys decommitting, but that was always going to happen when Urban left. Um, I think he's done a good job in keeping most of the commitments they had and, you know, securing other ones. And, I mean, recruiting is the name of the game, you know, that uh, in college football. So I think three, uh, definitely the possibility for a four uh, if the season pans out, uh, you know, yeah. Okay. So that, what was your recruiting? Specifically, we also asked a question on recruiting. What was your recruiting number? So I said three there, too. Okay. Um, I don't think that, I mean, obviously, the standard Urban Meyer was recruiting out, especially in 2017 and 2018, and that's hard to, you know, that's really hard to maintain. But I think that getting Zach Harrison is was so important, and it was also so impressive to me um, because there were a lot of rumors. I mean, you saw it all. There was a ton of rumors that he was leading Michigan, and then he... Yep. Did commit. So I, I, I thought that was really impressive. I think the work they've done specifically with wide receiver, uh, with under Brian Hartline as the wide receivers coach has been really impressive. I like the staff he's put together, especially offensively. So I think that the recruiting's been good for the most part. So yeah, I said three there as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I can't remember. With like the text program now and Twitter and stories and the podcast, I can never remember like where I said something or wrote it, but I think it was a podcast maybe last week where I was, you know, we were sort of talking about the magic of Larry Johnson and closing guys out, you know, and, and that, that he was so influential in, in overcoming Greg Madison and Al Washington, who were the two lead Michigan recruiters for Zach Harrison, and then you right. send Larry Johnson in at the end and like he gets it done. And you know what? Like, like, that's, you know, Ryan Day kept him. Ryan Day was, you know, whatever. Like, Larry Johnson didn't say, Urban's out, I'm gone. Ryan Day got rid of every other defensive coach, but he kept Larry Johnson. So, um, you know, that I'm curious. It's like you can't look at recruiting and say, well, what if you lose your best recruiter? Because the whole point is you need a guy. To, someone's got to be your best recruiter. But I just, to reiterate, I am, I am curious for the day when, like, Larry Johnson isn't here to come in and, and, and really sell guys at the end the way that he's done it. They do need to develop, I think, some other good young recruiters like Heartline, um, which obviously sticks out to everybody. But I'm, I'm just very curious about that. Offense. Offense. What was your overall offense rating? 
my overall offense rating was a four, and I'll tell you why. So I really like who he's put together. I I watched. I went back and watched some Oklahoma State games. I really like what Mike Yersich was doing. So they scored 38 points, I think, in like almost half the games that he was a part of the coaching plan. And I mean, that's fine. And, you know, you can put all you want under, you know, Big 12 football, Big 12 defenses, but like scoring 38 points isn't easy. I mean, really anywhere. So I I really like that. I mean, I love, I like Kevin Wilson. I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, to see how the tight ends get used. Um, we, I mean, you talked about, um, you know, maybe some middle of the field stuff. I, I want to see Jeremy Rucker. I like Jeremy Rucker coming out of high school. So I, 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 I said a four. I liked what he did last year as the head coach. I really like, I mean, obviously, I, I want to see them turn J.K. Dobbins loose. Yep. This, and I mean, I'm, I'm with you every week, every time you're pounding the table for, you know, Basically, J.K. Dobbins to get every carry. I'm right there with you. Um, I think last season he got in his head. Yeah. And, um, you've alluded to that as well. I, I think that it was pretty much a mental thing for him. Um, I like Mike Weber. I'm glad Mike Weber was here. Um, I don't love what they did, and I understand that maybe that was what had to happen to, for Mike to stay. Um and maybe they didn't think they really had the depth for him to leave, but I, I didn't I didn't love it overall. I think it hurt them sometimes. I think it hurt JK's development as a runner. And I think that, you know, it it if there are all other games you can look back to where maybe if JK had been out there you're looking at, you know, a different game. Okay. And uh defense. What was your your thought on the defense overall? So I said I said three here too. Um, I, I almost said two, but I'm I'm very cautiously optimistic. I do really like um, the people he's put together on okay. defense. I really like Al Washington. I like what he brings in terms of energy. Um, I when I watch interviews with him, I really like. I, I, he, he seems like such a charismatic guy. Yep. Um, I like Halfley too. Halfley comes off really smart and just super informed. I like talking football with guys who they kind of just blow you away with j- just their level of knowledge. Kind of just you know the aura just comes off them. Like I know a lot of football. Right. So I, I really like guys like that. I like what Al Washington brings to the staff. I really liked the hire specifically because, I mean, you guys have talked about this as well. The staff needs guys to, you know, for lack of a better word, look like the guys that are playing on your team. Yep. Yeah. Staff that's 10 white guys. Yep. Um, I, I thought that was really important, and I loved it for that reason as well. Um, I don't know. He, I mean, he coached so many Buckus Award finalists, you know what I mean? So Yeah, I think he was really good. I think that was exactly what they needed. Developmentally, with linebackers, I mean, he did a fantastic job in Michigan, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do just coaching up the guys that they already had here. I, talent was never the problem. I mean, you have extrapolated forever uh, <laughs> hating the way they used the linebackers last season. So. Yeah. 
I just hope that you know they kind of get that simplified and fixed. I think the I think the right answer, and it's like one of these things. Uh, uh, I just had to do numbers like four, three, two, one. I think the like the closest thing to a right answer for defense is two point five. So like the idea that you gave him a three but almost gave him a two, like I think is right. It's like a three that leans down, and I almost think like offense. If you gave offense a four, I think like the right answer for offense is probably somewhere between three and four, right? Maybe it's a three that leans up or a four that leans down. But I do just think, uh, obviously, defense, you just need to see a little bit more. But I want to delve into you. We're going to get into offense, defense, and overall stuff with some of our later guests. But, Chase, you and I talked about this. I want to really get into the coaching with you. So just give me the number first, what your coaching rating was. And I asked specifically, Ryan Day and the assistants, what was your number? I said a four. Okay. I I love I love the staff. I really okay. do. And it's not just, you know, Larry Johnson. It's not just... Al Washington, Halfley. I liked the Greg Madison hire. I'm, I, I'm a little. I was a little nervous with him being the co DC. Yep. But I looked back at his time at Florida, and it made me feel a little bit better. Okay. I I, I think that that hire was as much uh, to get some veteran leadership on the coaching staff. You know, kind of get a voice like Larry Johnson where it's kind of more about established respect as a coach. And I think that's important for Ryan Day as someone who's not just a first-time head coach, but someone who's also young. Yep. I, I mean, I, Tony Alford's there, Larry Johnson's there. Those guys are great. Um, like I said, I really like what your such did at Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah, I mean... Okay. You know, you know, 4,700 yards a game or a year, you are you're good at getting passing games together. And so I think that was important. Um, just yeah, And like I said, in terms of recruiting, like Zach, Zach Harrison was huge. Um, bringing, getting Justin Fields to come to Ohio State, I think, is one of the better coaching moves I've seen in my years watching Ohio State, which, you know, to be fair, is not that long, but Getting Justin Fields to come to school was really impressive to me, and it really speaks to the you know the opinion of Ryan Day as a quarterback. I you know not just among the national media, but that's you know it shows they recruits think highly of him right. in terms of the whole guy. All right, so let me let me ask you this, Chase, and as we dig into this coaching thing a little bit, Urban Meyer was eighty three and nine. Ohio State overall was 86 and nine during his tenure. I mean, to, to lose nine games in seven years is is a ridiculous number. They competed. Um, they competed in the national championship playoff picture every year until the end of the year. Um, they were they're always in the mix. They were clearly the best program in the Big Ten. Is there any part of you now that it has happened? Is there any part of you that's almost more excited that, like, you're glad a change happened? That there were times whenever they lost to Iowa or Purdue, and I wrote it myself, like, is the Urban Meyer offense getting stale? Are they missing something? You know, they didn't make the playoffs, you know, the last three years, or the last two years, um, and they blew it in 2015 when they were right there. Like, you know, Urban Meyer's a legend, but is there any part of you that, if, if I said to you, Chase, it's your choice... Who do you want to coach the team in 2019, Urban Meyer or Ryan Day? 
would you maybe pick Ryan Day? Or is any of your excitement about Ryan Day is like, hey, great, we have, we have this new guy, but of course, given the choice, I would take Urban. So, I'm kind of split here, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, doing, winning that many games and having every season kind of, you know, hanging in the balance if you win or lose a game when you're talking about making the playoffs, um, it's really stressful as a fan. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, and my girlfriend, who you've interacted with. Yes. She is. She she would get annoyed, and when they lost to Michigan State on that missed field goal, yep. She, I didn't talk for like three hours. Like I was so upset. <laughs> Chase. I was just so upset, Doug. I. It's just football, man. It's just football. No, I know. <laughs> I've kind of, and you know, I go to UCF. Yes, that's the same thing. <laughs> right? Yeah. If you, lose, if you lose a game, you're just validating all the people who attack your team on Twitter. Right. So you're sitting there hanging in the balance. I was just sitting at the ACC championship. They were down like three touchdowns to Memphis. Everyone's so sad. It's yeah. The same. So I, I. You can go on all you want. You can hate Urban Meyer's aversion to change. You can think that, you know, his offense is old. You can forget all the offensive innovation stuff he did early in his career. You can do all that. But I think that people are going to get under Ryan Day, and I think that there is a real possibility that, you know, you're looking at a certain point in the season, maybe you're 6-2. and two. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that Ohio State fans are used to. So, I mean, even Trussell, I mean, only had, what, one eight and four season, I think? Yeah, well, I, I think it was, what, seven, seven and five in year one or whatever, and then won the national championship, and then after that had the one eight and four year, but otherwise I think didn't lose more than two games. Yeah, so Ohio State fans aren't used to being asked to, you know, hang on and, you know, be patient. Urban Meyer came in, it was immediate success. Right. So, I, I, I don't know. I mean, younger fans, like myself, I know especially, won't, won't be used to it. Um, it it's going to be weird, and I think, you know, for all the calls for a new coach and new offensive uh, coaches, I think that you're, there could be, there's a real possibility that you're going to be staring down the barrel of 6-2 and two or 7-3 and three at a certain point in the season, and it, it's not going to look great, and maybe you're going to miss uh, the quarterback draw on third and one. Right. Yeah, I know. It's one of those things that, like I said, like, the greatest complaint under Urban Meyer was like, man, this is a boring way to win, or whatever. <laughs> you know, it was like, ugh, all this winning I'm, is getting tiresome to me. Um Chase, the, the, the thing, and, and I think Gene Smith was um, very cagey about this, and I think there was sort of a groundwork laid to get fans accustomed to the idea of um, Ryan Day as the head coach. Like before, 
it happened. So that by the time it happened, it wasn't necessarily out of the blue. And from the jump, Gene Smith has made the Lincoln Riley, Bob Stoops comparison to Ryan Day and Urban Meyer. When you hear that, like, do you think that's what could happen? You know, Lincoln Riley, all Lincoln Riley has done is come in in his first two years, made the playoffs both years, and had the uh, Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback both years. Does that sound reasonable to you, that Ryan Day is going to have Lincoln Riley-type success? Well, I mean, anything can happen. I mean, you know, maybe Ryan Day is the the, the next coming of the greatest college coach of all time. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. But, you know, anything can happen. I mean, am I going to say no to back-to-back Heisman winners? No. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But do I think that's, you know, definitely what's going to happen? Also, no. I think you know, Gene's a hard guy to nail down. Gene, Gene made this call, and he made this hire. I mean, he, they didn't look really hard outside of the program because they thought they had a guy. Yep. And that's fine. And he's been, ta- he's been spoken about by Urban Meyer and others as someone who can be a guy. Right. So I'm, I'm excited. I think that I'm, I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a chance. And I'm really not even going to base my whole opinion on Ryan Day off of this upcoming season because half his coaches are learning the offense at the same time as quarterback is. Yep. So I'm not I, – I, the, back, the back, you know, five, four or five games, okay, but really next season, the season after next, is going to be where my real evaluation of Ryan Day comes from. I know fans aren't that way. I know especially Ohio State fans aren't that way. So I'm prepared – for, you know, 7-3 and it's fire Ryan Day. Right. No, I think that's ridiculous and stupid. Uh, I just think that you, you're not going to be able to really look at it and know what he's capable of until he gets a full recruiting cycle, a full year, you know, after his coaching staff and players have kind of learned what he wants to do. I'm confident that he can put together, you know, a playbook and a game plan this season that, you know, is digestible. Right. I don't think he, I don't think he's going to be killing his players with, you know, technicalities and X and O stuff. I think he's smart, but I think the playbook's going to be fast. I think it's going to be, you know, good. I want to see a lot of no huddle stuff. You know, I want to see the offense go fast, which I think he will do. Yep. But I, 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 I just don't know. It's just, I, do I think he can be Lincoln Riley? Sure. Do I think he will be? Probably not. Um, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait and see. You know what I mean? Yep. The, I think that's smart. I think that, I think a lot of, you made a lot of astute points in there, Chase. I got two more for you. But I, let me tell you this first of all. So I talked to Ryan Day in the middle of spring practice, the spring break week when Ohio State was on spring break. And, um, you know, I get snitty about stuff. I'm like, I know the word snitty is out there now. I get snitty. I'm a snitty guy. So I think like the Columbus Dispatch had had an interview with Ryan Day before spring practice or something and had like a big Sunday story. And I was like, yo, you guys giving out Ryan Day sit-downs or what? Like, I want to sit down with Ryan Day. So they were like, yeah, come on in. So I went in and I sat down with Ryan Day in his office for an hour, and I haven't written anything about it yet. And I think I've talked about this before. It's like a month and a half later, I haven't written anything. The, the point that you made, Chase, and I'm going to write Ryan Day this week on this, and it's really interesting. We were talking about the idea of 
being an NFL guy, having an NFL playbook and bringing that to college, right? And I was very, all along the way, I like the idea that Bill Davis was an NFL guy and I thought he was screwing up college kids. And J- Greg Schiano, I think, made a defense that was too complicated. And Ryan Day said, the idea is that the coach has NFL experience and NFL ideas. And he then synthesizes all that NFL knowledge and basically dumbs it down for his college players so that the NFL innovation is there, but he's not requiring the, the players to think like NFL players, even if they're executing NFL ideas. And I was like, oh, that sounds like it. That makes sense to me. Like Bill Davis coming in and trying to treat, you know, tough Borland and Pete Werner like he would treat some Philadelphia Eagles linebacker was nuts to me. But I was very encouraged by that idea of like the Ryan Day playbook and how you're going to make this all digestible and the idea that you said of, okay, he has a new, a new quarterback, he's got new receivers, he's got new offensive linemen. How do you make that work this year? I think I, that, that I was enthused by Ryan Day's description of that. Chase, who would you have hired? What do you mean? If you were Gene Smith, would you have hired Ryan Day, or would you have gone out and gotten Matt Campbell from Iowa State? Would you have tried to pry Mike Vrabel away from the Titans? Would you have gone and tried to get Bob Stoops to come out of retirement? Would you have gone after any other successful coach around the country? I think for Ohio State, you probably should be able to hire almost any college coach in the country, maybe outside of Saban and and Dabo. You should at least be able to make a run at him because you're Ohio State. And, and Gene, the way he described it, just you know poked around a little bit, as you said, but pretty much zeroed in on Ryan Day from the start. How would you have conducted that search, and who would you have picked? I think I would have done a national search, and it doesn't really seem like Gene did. So I, I, I think ultimately I maybe would have stuck with Ryan Day because I do like you know his resume, and I like kind of the way he approaches stuff, especially on game day from what I've been able to glean. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Matt, I mean, I err on the side of offensive coaches, especially in college. That's just how I kind of, you know, what I like in a coach. Um, so, I mean, I like Vrabel, and I think Vrabel, but I think Vrabel is an NFL coach. Does that make sense? I think you might be right. I think Vrabel's an NFL coach. I like what Ryan Day has been able to, like I said, I like what Ryan Day has been able to do recruiting-wise. Like, I liked the idea of Matt Campbell, and I thought ultimately he might have been the guy had Ryan Day not already been the OC and already gotten three games of head coaching experience. And I think a national search might have happened had the whole suspension thing not happened and Ryan Day not gotten in there and shown kind of his stuff. Yeah. I, I think ultimately I maybe would have stuck with Ryan Day and would have hired him. I don't I don't really have someone in my head who I think outright would have been a better hire. Yeah. Um, there's not a Scott Frost out there. There's not like the Ohio State Scott Frost out there. Right. I mean, in a mid-major, winning a ton of games, and, you know, he's not Ohio State alumni. And right. I, I, I just don't see that guy. And so I think for your money – Ryan Day might have been the best option in that particular, uh, you know, hiring period. Chase, you make some, man. Chase, you are on this stuff today, man. You are bringing it. Last question. And you just mentioned this. 
the idea that they did get an offensive guy, and it's what everybody's doing, right? Whether it's Sean McVay or Freddie Kitchens in the NFL, whether it's Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day or anybody else, everybody wants the hot young OC. Like, was that? It, it sounds like you would say yes. That's what I wanted. That at the very least, that's the profile of a guy that would be the the coach Ohio State would want one of these offensive innovators on the way up. Well. It, it- it's almost like, what does that even mean? But that, like, really, that's the profile that will get, will, like, keep your fan base satisfied at least until the on-field product shows itself, right? Yep. Like, you can you can sell yourself mentally on, oh, Ryan Day's smart. Oh, Ryan Day worked for Chip Kelly, so you know we're gonna have a, a fast, innovative offense. Oh, Ryan Day's young, so you know a young guy will relate to the players better, et cetera, et cetera. I think you can sell yourself on that up until the on-field product doesn't look good. And I think that Ohio State fans have really been spoiled, and I don't even know if they realize how spoiled they've been, um, because you look around at other programs around the country, and even obviously even in the Big Ten, you know, Michigan fans aren't having a good time all the time, despite having what many people would say is a great college coach and for, you know, a pretty successful program over the last few years. Yeah. Ten wins, ten wins, game. three out of four years. Yep. So, for the most part, Ohio State fans have been having a you know pretty good Saturdays, and I think that could go away pretty quickly, especially this season, um, if things don't pan out exactly the way they are. And you've spoken about this, and I really believe this. Urban Meyer was the best game manager closer in terms of close-game situations, I mean, JT in the fourth against Penn State, you know, you can say whatever you want about, you know, grittiness, toughness. I didn't think they were coming back. I really didn't. Yep. And a lot of that is due to Urban Meyer taking over the play calling, knowing what worked, and closing the game like he knows how to. I, I'm curious to see close-game situations under Ryan Day. I'm curious to see play-calling in those situations. And I, I, when you're Urban Meyer, I think you have the, the confidence in yourself. I've done this, you know, a hundred times, so I know what to do. I, I, I'm curious to see if Ryan Day really has the... the I, I, I mean, I know this is something. I don't know if he'll have the guts to make some of the calls. Yep. Right in a late game situation. I mean, that's. Are you? Are you does he have the guts to call the halfback draw or the uh, the quarterback draw on fourth and one? Right. No, I know. And to even go for it, the times, all the times that Urban went for it, or all the times that yeah, you take a little bit of a gamble here, you believe in something. Um, Chase, let me ask you this: Do you currently host your own Ohio State podcast? No. Okay, good, because I do not want the competition. Um, you're on this stuff, man. Chase, how did you come to Buckeye Talk? How did you start listening? How did I come? That's interesting. Um, I mean, it feels like forever I've been listening to Buckeye Talk at this point. Um, I think, I actually think it might have been after that missed field goal against Michigan State. Okay, in 2015? Maybe 2016. It's in just, 2016, it's just, okay. Um, you know what it was? Actually, I do remember. I heard, I heard three weeks of Ari, and then he wasn't on the podcast anymore. 
that was when I heard it. It was right at the end of Ari. Okay, okay. I heard, I heard three weeks of Ari doing the podcast, and then he was gone, and it was you and Bill. Okay, cool. Oh, so you were there for the heyday. You didn't have to struggle through the Ari years. You just came in when it started to bang with me and Landis, man. I'm just kidding. That's just a, sh- a gratuitous shot at Ari for no reason, yeah. who I, of course, love. Um, well, we're happy to have you aboard, Chase Richardson. You are uh, as engaged and as uh, loyal and as uh, plugged in of a, of a fan as uh, there could be for Ohio State. So it has been a pleasure um, to have you on the podcast finally. And um, we will uh, maybe try not to have such a big gap. I, I, this, the way this fan podcast is working out, I think I want to do this more often. So, um, Chase, thank you so much for your insights and thanks for your time, man. And thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, you can count on me. I'll I'll listen every week. All right, we'll talk to you later, Chase. Thanks, Doug. So happy to welcome Cynical Negro to the show. Loyal, loyal Buckeye Talk listener. Engaged tweeter. We appreciate it. And before we get going, I I have to ask this question. Are you cynical? Yeah, very cynical. (laughs) That's, That's why I picked that for Twitter. Love it. Your questions are always great. So, uh, and you are in Cleveland, is that right? Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Always, a, always appreciate our Cleveland listeners. So, um, we're going to run through your answers to the Twitter poll, and then we're going to delve in on the offense. But what, what did you give for your number on the overall state of the program? Uh, I said it was a two. I said it was okay. What did you give for the recruiting? Recruiting, I... Oh, sorry, recruiting. Oh, recruiting, I said, was uh, very good. Okay, so that's a three. three. Okay, and how about the coaching? Uh, two. Okay. And the defense? The defense, uh, one. A one, which is a little worried. Yeah, and then the worried. And then the offense? Offense, also a little worried. Okay. All right. So we want to delve in on the offense with you. And I'll be honest, Cynical Negro, you're living up to your name because you are, you're a little lower on some of these ratings than some of the other people, than the, what the poll showed and what some of the other people I talked to. But I get it. I totally get it. And, and I think you can certainly find reasons to be enthused and optimistic about Ohio State football right now. But there's also legitimately a, a lot of questions. So, like, but before we get into the offense, just overall, like, compared to the seven-year Urban Meyer era of nine losses in seven years, do do you feel is it maybe just like much more uncertain about Ohio State football right now? Yeah, this is the most uncertain I've ever been. Like, I'm Ohio, I'm 32. I've been Ohio State fan my whole life. Ohio State's been good for 32 years basically yeah like, i don't remember the very beginning of the cooper era but like pretty much until the very end of cooper they were good they were great with trust they were not trying to trust right away then you go to urban meyer so i knew it'd be good then this is like complete unknown what we're about to go through here so are you um like how does that make you feel as if like did, when, you, when you're feeling something that you've ever, almost never felt as a fan of your team before, like, it must just, it must just be weird, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's uncomfortable, because I'm also a Browns fan, so, like, you know, it's nice to have one football team to depend on. Yeah. Like, well, I know this is the 12-4 and 4 time, but it's, <laughs> Ohio State's always been guaranteed, like, 10-2. 
it, it is weird to me, and, and obviously you know I've been pounding this as much as anybody with the Browns, that like the Browns have a new head coach who used to be their offensive coordinator, who's an offensive-minded guy. There's so, and so does Ohio State. There's so many similarities between Freddie Kitchens and Ryan Day, who are both starting out um, as first-time head coaches after running successful offenses. But I'm making a lot of assumptions with the Browns, the way that they've stunk and their roster is built to win right now. So I think Freddie's stepping into a situation where he can win to a degree that the Browns haven't won in two decades, whereas Ryan Day is stepping into a situation where, of course, there's a lot of things in place to succeed, but also it's it is kind of unreasonable to expect him to be as good as Urban Meyer. So while Ryan Day and Freddie Kitchens are kind of similar guys at similar points in their careers, it's interesting to me sort of how different I feel about their situations right now. Yeah, same same thing. Also, you've seen Baker play. Like you saw how he took off with Freddie. You had six, eight games of Freddie or something like that. Yep. So, yeah. All right, so so specifically with the offense with you, all of that starts with Justin Fields. And when I started this State of the Ohio State program series, I started with the quarterback. I started with Justin Fields. I didn't make it a separate Twitter poll. I almost did, but I thought, well, just we'll talk about the quarterback within the structure of the offense. Coming off the Dwayne Haskins season, Justin Fields has never been a starter in college football before. He just got here in January. How much of maybe your uncertainty about the offense is tied to some uncertainty about Justin Fields? It's like fifty percent. Okay. Justin Fields, like, uh, I, I actually did watch like not like for preparation, just because I enjoyed it. The um, the show QB One, so I watched this season QB One, and like, I, so I knew who who he was even before he got here. And I'm still like, where you watch the spring game, you're like, he doesn't look super crisp throwing, and so you think that suddenly the read option going back to that's gonna make you. It's going to, like, cover up for all the deficiencies there. It's just, it's, I'm a little nervous because just because you're five-star and, like, the number one quarterback crew, it doesn't guarantee that you actually are the number one quarterback. So for, with, yeah. with what you've seen, do you think they should? Should they try to throw it, like, basically do what they did with Haskins? Or how much, based on what you observed in the spring and what you know about Justin Fields, how much do you think they should rely on his legs? I think they're going to rely on the legs, a lot. Like, Haskins was immune to running. Like, it looked, sometimes with Haskins, like, he's like, I'm not running. It doesn't matter. Not what I'm here for. Right, right. But, but uh, with Fields, he's going to have to run. I know he came here to be a pro-style quarterback, but I think, like you said, I think pretty much everyone who's uh, covered team is saying, he's going to, you're going to have to run first before you start developing the passing, because that's how amazing I think Haskins was at throwing the ball, because the receivers, all the receivers that last year were way better, even though most of them had two seasons with uh, Barrett before. So, I mean, you're probably going to have to accept that you're not having this rare talent, at least right away, with the arm that you're going to have with Fields. Fields is going to have to run it a lot more. The thing that I think is so interesting about this is that, you know, the defense was the problem last year, but the defense returns, you know, I think nine starters, but they changed their whole coaching staff. The offense led the team last year, but they lost their quarterback. They lost three of their top three receivers. They lost four offensive line starters. So the thing that was good, you're sort of starting over with. When you think about the receivers, are you are you expecting that Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Austin Mack and these guys, and you get KJ Hill back? Do you think the receivers will will 
will do what we saw last year with, with Paris and, and Johnny and Terry McLaurin? Or are you, how much is that maybe part of your concern that they lost three really reliable senior receivers? That's kind of like, it's, uh, I want to say like chicken or the egg. I think losing the receivers is going to hurt, but I think Haskins was like the straw that made all that stuff go. Like I think if you had anyone, like say there was a six year of JC Berry, I don't think you're seeing like uh, McLaurin somehow get picked in the third round. I don't think you're seeing Campbell go that high. So I think a lot of that production is due to Haskins being able to pass on that elite level. So the receivers, you saw a little bit of Lavi with Michigan game. I saw Garrett Wilson every single spring game. I think KJ Hill's KJ Hill. He's the one who I think is Mr. Consistency regardless. So I'm I'm less worried about the receivers and more worried about the person that I'm doing. Okay. I think that too. And, and you know this. That sort of during the draft buildup, you know, there was a lot of stuff of, oh, you know, Dwayne Haskins had a lot of good receivers. Is that what made him look good? And and I think you and I would agree. We think it's more the other way that, you know, Haskins was helping the receivers look good because again, as you as you mentioned, those guys didn't quite look like that when they had JT Barrett throwing to them. Yeah. So yeah. so I agree on that. The Dobbins idea that that J.K. just to me was more of a dynamic guy as a freshman, and and we've written and he's talked about that he sort of got in his own head last year. Are you expecting J.K. Dobbins to look like a dominant, maybe, you know, first-round, second-round type NFL talent at running back this season as a workhorse? Or given that he, you know, sort of took a step back as a sophomore, what are your concerns with him? I mean, freshman year, Dobbins looked amazing, obviously. I, I don't know what to expect, mostly because I don't really know how... We like how the Buckeyes understand, like what makes them good to run the ball. Like with Casting, they couldn't just line up and hand it off to the or even when we ran the when they did the zone read, they weren't really running the zone read. It was right. on the uh, Dobbins. So do you need that zone read option for him to be able to run, or is it going to be just like it's finally he's getting all the reps, he doesn't have to worry about anything, he's going to get it and go. So I'm I'm just up in the air with Dobbins. I assume he's that good because I've seen a, a couple of mocks there like he's going to be a first round pick or had him at the end of the first round so like sure but I'm that's completely question mark to me plus they lost four offensive linemen like when Michael Jordan decided to go pro I was like oh this is okay this is going to be a little rough this year too yeah, it, it it's interesting. I, I think I think the line has a chance to be pretty good. You know, I think Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers, you know, those are two huge recruits if Jonah Jackson wins a job inside. But there are just a lot of there are just a lot of questions and the the thing that ties it all together, you know, is this Ryan Day style of offense, right? Whatever that's gonna mean. And last year we saw them throw it. Like, what kind of belief do you have in Ryan Day? And we know Mike Yersich and, and Kevin Wilson are there as the co-offensive coordinators, but we know this is Ryan Day's offensive show. What's your level of belief? And, and I do think that there's a difference between Ryan Day as a head coach because you've got to do all the stuff that comes with that and then Ryan Day just running an offense. What's your belief in Ryan Day running this offense and figuring out a way to make it all work? Do you sort of, like, assume of, like, okay, well, there's a lot of these questions, but he'll figure it out, or do you do you have questions about his ability to figure it out? I think I think he knows how to run the offense. So I think the offense is gonna look even though I have like my misgivings about quarterback, running back, off, off, off the line, 
because of like 35, well, like 75 percent offense, basically. Yeah, <laughs> I think your offense is going to look confident regardless because it's going to be the offense we saw last year. We're going to see the same concepts, and when there's going to be like a running threat, so it's not going to look. I mean, for lack of a better word, it's not going to look disjointed like it did with the uh, towards the last two or three years with Barrett. Right. I'm not worried about how the offense is going to look on the field. Like, if stuff doesn't work out, I think it'll be more like I'm more on the players, less on the on his coaching of the offense. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you this, and I, and I want to d- divert just a little bit. Part the, uh, there's always there's always context in this cynical right like there's always okay Ohio State is Ohio State but who are they playing how good are the teams they're playing when you think about Ohio State right now in the Ryan Day era are are you specifically concerned about is Penn State going to beat Ohio State is Michigan going to beat them they're playing Northwestern Wisconsin Nebraska in the crossover games are there any specific teams in the Big Ten that worry you to the idea of are are they going to beat Ohio State? And also, could they in the next two or three years surpass Ohio State as a program? How does the rest of the conference factor into your thought process? I mean, honestly, I'm never, I'm, the only team I ever worry about in the Big Ten surpassing, surpassing Ohio State is Michigan. Okay. I, Wisconsin... Like Wisconsin only have like short spurts of run. I'm not worried about Penn State. I think they had the opportunity the last three years, and they didn't surpass Ohio State as a program. I'm not really worried about Nebraska right now because it's in Nebraska. I don't think that's ever going to be like the 80s, 90s Nebraska again. Like I'm not worried about Northwestern. Just there's some there's some places I I think Ohio State's just. You worry about it failing, but it's almost too big to fail. Like it's great point. It's Ohio State, it just it just runs automatically. So like it's just the baseline of good. It's generally always going to be at that. I don't think outside of Michigan, any program in the conference can uh, consistently surpass. So let me ask you this question then, because I do think there there certainly reached a point during the Urban Era where. There wasn't even a Big Ten discussion, right? I mean, of course they were the best team in the Big Ten. The context for Ohio State was not the Big Ten. It was Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma. And I think in the past couple years, those five teams, Ohio State as the fifth, have moved ahead of the pack. And you just look at who's made the playoff, and I think that that would tell you that. What is your belief in the ability of Ohio State to run – in the top five nationally of programs under Ryan Day. Is that maybe where some of your concerns would more come to light? Not that they're not going to be the best team in the Big Ten, but are they going to hang with Bama, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma? Yeah, that's pretty much where it is. If we're talking about winning national championships and contending on that level, it's definitely there. Like, because when you have the best touch and everything else with recruiting and having all the – you have to recruit well – you have to have more breaks. You have to also have all the breaks while your way. You just have to build a machine. That, with Urban, I wasn't worried about that because Urban was good money anywhere he went for recruiting. With Day, it's a complete toss-up. Like You don't know what's going to happen with uh, recruits nationally. You see he's focusing more in-state. And like when you focus on stuff in-state like that, that's why I don't worry about the conference because he's going to lock down Ohio and pretty much get who he wants. So I'm never worried too much about 
the conference, but when you have to win national championships, you got to go where people don't know you. You're not automatically like, oh, I want to go to Ohio State because I grew up 30 minutes away. Now it's like trying to recruit someone in California, tell them to come to Ohio. That's different. Florida to Ohio, way different if you don't have any track record or anything like that. So he's really got to produce on the field before he can just sell it on like him being him. Gosh, I think, I think you're making great points. I think that is... I think there's a lot of truth to that that you can't. There's a lot of the structures that are in place, right? They kept Pantone, they kept Marathi. We know all that. But if the head coach didn't make a difference, they wouldn't be paying these guys $9 million a year. The head coach does make a difference. All this considered cynical, when you think about this season, as we, as we sit here right now, what do you think their record's going to be, their 12-game regular season record, if you guessed today? Uh, I didn't even look at the like the non-conference schedule, so I don't know who do we play good in non-conference this year. Florida Atlantic, Cincinnati, and Miami, Ohio. So there's not that big giant national yeah, opponent. Yeah, I'm worried about the offense, or especially early on. And we didn't even talk about the defense, but I'm going to say like nine and three uh, to overall record. Yeah. I, I think, and I think that's that's a point that I, that I've agreed with, and I think I'm, I'm agreeing with a lot of the stuff you're saying. Listen, again, there's a lot of ways to spin it, and, and nine and three is not disastrous. Nine and three is not the end of the world, right? But I think you do have to be realistic about some things. Um, but I I think the idea as we as we talk about this offense, the idea of the first half of the season, the offense having some hiccups and maybe having the kind of hiccups that can cost you a game or two. I think is a very reasonable way to think about this. And that if that means that you get to the midway point at four and two, I just think that's possible, right? I'm not I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure they're gonna be four and two after six games, but I certainly think they could be, and if they are, that's just gonna be a very different world than what it's been under Urban. Yeah. It's just new everyone's new. I'm looking at I'm actually looking at the schedule. It is, it is rougher in the first half too. So yeah. You know, I think, yeah, it's going to be a little different this year. Because that's what Irving is like. They were also, for the most part, they won all the games you would think they weren't supposed to win. Right. Like, all the all these teams coming up, oh, they pulled it out at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like people I know, you know, people were sort of, in the urban area, you're upset because they, when they got blown out, right? Whether they lose 31 yeah. nothing to Clemson in the playoff yeah. or Oklahoma in Ohio Stadium or Purdue in Iowa. And it's like, yeah. yeah, you did get blown out. But you know what else you did? You won almost every close game you played. Yeah. Honestly. Um, Cynical Negro, how did you come to Buckeye Talk? How did you find us? I don't even remember. I mean, I think I was just looking, trying to find like podcasts on my phone or something, and it came up. Because I knew you'd been writing You've been covering the Buckeyes for a long time, so maybe it was plugged on Cleveland.com, but I've been listening since since you had, like, Bill and Ari were your co-hosts. So, nice. Yeah, it's, yeah. From the start, baby. <laughs> yeah, from the start. From the start. Well, listen, yeah. man, we appreciate uh, your loyalty. We appreciate your interaction. We, I know people know your Twitter handle because we use your questions a lot, and we use them because they're smart, interesting questions. So, um, Cynical Negro, Tremendous to have you on the podcast. We appreciate you, and uh, uh, I'm enjoying this fan podcast, so I want to do more of it. So we're going to reach out to more people, and maybe we will have you on again. But thank you for everything uh, that you've given to Buckeye Talk over the years. All right, thanks. Oh, no, thank you for great entertainment. Also, love the length of podcast. Never, everyone said, oh, make them shorter. No, a two-hour podcast, excellent. I appreciate it. 
Well, I appreciate that. You know what? Like, if, if you don't want to listen to two hours, you can just stop, right? But then if you, if you do want two hours, it's there for you. Exactly. Okay. Well, I appreciate the two hours because I, I am long-winded enough that it is hard for me. You know it. You know it by now, cynical, right? I mean, I can't stop talking. So I appreciate you appreciating it. Um, great stuff. Thanks for your help on this, and we'll talk down the line. All right. Thank you. All right, joined by the illustrious G. Nilly, who has been with us from the beginning. First of all, G. Nilly, thank you for your loyal listenership all these years. My honor. Glad to be here, Doug. So we are uh, talking about the uh, State of the Program um, series, State of the Program Twitter poll. Um, and like I'm doing with everybody, let's just run through um, the polls that I put out there and what your rating was for each of them. So again, to refresh, uh, I asked everyone to rate it. Four is fantastic. Three is very good. Um, two is okay. And one is a little worried. Um, first of all, Nilly, just the overall State of the Program, what was your number for that? So my number for that is three, um, because I feel like, you know, we have a lot of talent on the roster. We have a solid infrastructure with, you know, Mickey Mariotti, Mark D'Antoni, Ryan Stamper. Um, we've got the resources, reputation, recent success, and all of that. So I feel like we're at a very good place, but I think that in order for me to say fantastic, I would have to see it, like, on the field. And, and I think it may take a little bit of time for us to get there before you know, I'm going to be able to say fantastic. Okay. We're going to focus on one area of this when we get through this. So let's just go quickly on this. What was your coaching rating specifically? Coaching rating was three. Love Ryan Day. Um, I think the assistants, I like them, but I think it remains to be seen. They're a little more of a question mark. What was your recruiting rating? Recruiting rating was four, just because we've been able to maintain all of the you know, recruits and, and bring in some high-level guys. So well, I'm at a four with recruiting. Offense? Offense three. There's some question marks, but love what day and the talent we have on the roster kind of promises we could be. And defense? Defense, that's the one I have it too because that's the one that was the weak spot last year. Lots of changes and, and uh, lots of question marks. All right. So I told you we were going to zero in a little bit on defense, right? Is that what I said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's do that because again we're having different people on and we're going to zero in. We're zeroing in on a different area with everybody. The defensive side of things I think is interesting, G. Nilly, just because that you know we know the whole silver bullets thing with Ohio State. So it was not acceptable last year, but then they changed everybody. Larry Johnson is the only defensive coach back. When you think about like the coaching aspect of it, how? Are you expecting that, yes, of course, the defensive coaching must improve compared to what we saw Greg Schiano and Tavor Johnson and Alex Grinch and especially Bill Davis put together last year? Or how much apprehension do you have about the coaching aspect of it just because four-fifths of the defensive staff is new? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it has to be better, like you said. I mean, that's the worst defense that I have you know, ever seen in Ohio State. I'm 40, turned 40 this year, and, like, you know, by far that was the worst defense I've seen. So I feel like it's got to be better. Um, you know, just a lot of issues going on there with, with Shianu and, and um, you know, Alex Grinch and all of that. Um, but I still I think that there's a question, I mean, for sure, until we see it on the field. Um, you know, uh, 
the linebackers specifically, you know, I, I'm wondering if the coaching staff is going to, um, you know, play the veterans that have been there for a while or if they are going to give the high-level, high-ceiling, younger talent a chance. So I think there's a question mark for sure. Um, I like the hires. Uh, other than maybe Madison was a little bit of a question mark for me, but everybody else, Larry Johnson, Al Washington, Jeff Halfley, feel good about those guys, but I think that we need to see it on the field for, for us to like fully buy in and for me to go from a two rating to a three or a four. And I think that's interesting, G. Nilly, because this is the area, one of the, and I'll, I'll ask you this, like one of my areas of at very least curiosity and maybe concern is just the idea that like Ryan Day is not a defensive guy. Just like Urban Meyer, he, he really is all about one side of the ball. So then basically when you hire a defensive coordinator, you're hiring a head coach for that half of the team. And the guy they hired is a 69-year-old guy who's been at Michigan for 13 years of his career. Like that, that is just, you know, if, if you had maybe question marks about a coordinator on the side of the ball where the head coach was the expert, I think I would have far fewer questions because it's like, well, really, you know, Mike Yersich and Kevin Wilson are the offensive coordinators, but really Ryan Day is the offensive coordinator. But on the defensive side of the ball, Greg Madison's the defensive coordinator and Jeff Halfley's the co-defensive coordinator. That part of it, how how concerned are you that like Day is just not a defensive guy? And then coupled with that, the guy that they did hire, you said of all the guys you have question marks about, it's the guy who's kind of in charge of an entire side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, I think we do a lot of assuming that because it's Ohio State, it's you know it's going to work out, and because we have the talent in place that you know it's it's all going to work out for us but i think it like if anything last year showed that the the chemistry on the coaching staff was uh you know maybe a question mark and you know these guys that that day has hired like he, he has hired guys with a good reputation but uh when they get in the actual room when they're you know working together do they have that chemistry that you know they need for the defense to you know be uh, you know, solid and, and sold on to the players and all of that, or or is that going to be something that's an issue? And I think that we can have a belief that it's going to work out that way and it's going to be good. And, and certainly, I think, like I said, it's going to be better than last year. But, um, you know, how much better that remains to be seen because, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. When you think about, let's talk personnel now, player-wise, defensively. Chase Young, Baron Browning, Jeffrey Okuda, all five-star guys on the defensive side of the ball who are now going to be in their third years in the program. Jordan Fuller, Malik Harrison, Robert Landers, Jonathan Cooper. They have some veteran senior guys there as well. Do you think the talent level... I think there's nine starters back. Do you think that the talent level is at a place that it needs to be for the Ohio State defense? Like, do, do you feel good about that compared to the defenses of the past, you know, 30 years that you've been an Ohio State fan? Yeah, I, I think it, I mean, there's no question the talent is there. You know, I think this is, you know, the last five years or so, the most talent that we've ever had, I think. Um, you know, we have it at linebacker, too, I think, you know, with some of the guys that are younger. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think the talent for sure is there, and we just need to, you know, see it kind of coalesce, and it, it may take some time to gel. But for sure, I think this is one of the most talented defensive rosters. Now, it doesn't have like maybe a a, a, a number one draft pick like you know the Bosa's, but um, Chase Young is up there. You know, probably a first round, maybe top ten talent. So 
yeah, I think there's no question we have it at all three levels of the defense. When you think about it, G. Nilly, we know there's, there's certainly been times in Ohio State history where they have won with defense, right? Where, you know, especially sometimes in the Trestle era, if you were maybe a little conservative, you won with special teams and defense. We know the silver bullets that were, have been a thing that people have taken pride in. Is that what you want back, or would you accept an Ohio State that, like, you know what, Ryan Day is an offensive head coach. If they're going to recruit NFL quarterbacks now and they have NFL receivers and NFL running backs, you know what, maybe the defense won't be great, but we're going to win the other way. We're going to win by outscoring people. Like, is, is, Are you ready for that kind of Ohio State, or would, would, would that stick in your craw a little bit, or would that worry you at all if Ohio State was now trying to win national championships with just an okay defense? Well, Doug, I've been waiting for that for my whole life. I, like, I'm, a, I'm an offensive guy. Like, I love watching offense. I'm a, like, I love passing. And so the 2018 season was probably my favorite yeah. season in a long time. I mean, just to be able to, like, I, I never thought I'd see, uh, uh, you know, a house state quarterback pass for, you know, 4,000 yards, let alone 5,000. So I, I would be, you know, I would love that. Now, I probably would say that a lot of the people that I know, other fans probably would disagree with that and they want to see a, you know, a knockdown, you know, shutdown defense. Um, but I don't know how realistic it is to expect, you know, the, the same type of defense that they, that they used in 2002 to win a national championship. Like, because offenses are so advanced nowadays that I think that to a certain degree, you, you have to have an elite offense even more than an elite defense. And, and I think even with Alabama and Clemson, you see that. Like, they, they have solid defenses, but they also give up some points and yards. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all on board for the high-level offense and trying to win that way. All right, so we'll end with this one, G. Nilly. And this is, this is really the, the question for everybody that, I, you know, is, is the, sort of the whole reason behind this. Ohio State just lost a legendary coach, one of the best 10 college football coaches of all time, a three-time national champion. Do you feel like in your heart, in your bones, in your soul, does that make you feel any different about Ohio State because the head coach just isn't established yet, he's not a legend, he's not a guy with a huge national profile? Does that feel at all weird to you? Or, and maybe there could be both of these things, is there any excitement of like, you know what? we got a young up-and-comer, hopefully. Sure, he hasn't established himself yet, but, you know, um, if he is going to establish anything, he's going to do it by doing it at Ohio State. Just what is your vibe around the idea that Urban Meyer is gone? That fact, how does that make you feel about Ohio State football? So I'm the type of fan that is always kind of searching for the points on the team like that I need to worry about so like I'm, I'm always thinking about that and yeah I mean for sure you know Urban being gone is a, is a concern of mine like to think that we can just replace like one of the best coaches of all time and, and have no drop off like that's asking a lot um, but it, it, you know in the same way like there are some things I'm excited about because I think that you know Brian Day like he's, he's so smart uh, offensive you know, genius, hopefully, but, I mean, showed a lot in the first couple of years. And I think he's a little more ruthless, you know, than Urban was with recruiting, with, um, you know, talent. Like, you know, just that he, he brought in Justin Fields, I think, shows that he's not just going to stick with the quarterbacks on his roster, the talent on his roster, if he thinks 
that somebody else could help him more. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a mix of both. Um, and my, my thing is I think that um, he has to get the team to the playoffs within three years. Like, I think that if he does that, like, everybody's going to be excited as fans. We're going to be on board and all that. If he doesn't, I'm not saying that, like, he would, you know, be let go after three years, but I think that he would be feeling some pressure. So I think, I mean, I, get, I just think that's where we're at today with expectation level. G. Nilly, from the beginning, have you been listening since the beginning, G. Nilly, or when did you pick up Buckeye Talk? I think it was towards the beginning. I don't think it was right at the beginning. I think it was sometime in the 2015 season when, okay. um, you know, you, Ari, and, and Bill were on. So, yeah, I mean, I loved it. I love it every time. So, I mean, you guys are awesome. Genelli97, thank you so much. Again, at the very top of the list of the most loyal, most engaged listeners to Buckeye Talk. So it's great having you on. And we'll do this again. we got to have the fans on a little more often. So we'll do this again. We'll spread it around. But Genelli, thank you for your time. I love it, Doug. Thanks for having me. All right. so you're trying to you gotta set up the recording or whatever? Uh, I am in my phone at a gas station, uh, on my phone at a gas station, <laughs> recording it on one of my digital audio recorders. So this is low-tech right now. Not doing it at McDonald's, huh? Uh, no, I wish I would. I'm, I'm in a Pilot Arby's parking lot. Um, oh. Couldn't get to a McDonald's. So I might go in and get a chicken finger when I'm done, though. Um, there you go. All right. You know what? We're going. you got to get some curly fries. Uh, you know what? I liked it. Arby's used to have curly fries and regular fries. Yeah, they don't do that anymore? I think they only have the curly fries now. And I appreciate the curly oh. fries, but sometimes I don't want curly fries. That's ridiculous. Does Burger King still do onion rings, too? Yes. Because there's, there's nothing better when you get the fries and you oh. get that surprise onion ring. How about know? that? Yeah. I, I have to limit. My body doesn't do well with onion rings, but they taste good going down, baby. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, I believe it. Yeah. Um, all right, Nikki Under. So we're rolling. I said we were going to bring in, then we started talking about curly fries, and so we're just going to lead with that. Nikki Unders, I have to ask you this question first of all before we get rolling. Are you Allen Iverson? I'm not Alan Iverson, but I thought it was a pretty great avatar, so I just I went with it, you know. So I was. I think I set that up like four or five years ago, and I haven't changed it since. So. I was explaining this to G. Nilly, who was on the, pro- the podcast previously. His avatar is Eric Davis, and so when I'm talking to G. Nilly on Twitter, I just think he's Eric Davis, and when I'm <laughs> talking to you on Twitter, in my head. You're Allen Iverson, because who else would I think you are otherwise? You are Allen, Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson complaining about practice. Yeah. You know, you, you got to keep that in mind. Yeah. So that's you, talking about practice with Nikki Unders. All right, Nikki Unders. Um, we're going to run through your ratings, just like everybody else, on the state of Ohio State football, what you thought, scale of four the best, one the worst. What was your overall rating? Uh, overall, I had a three. Coaching. So I think that'd be a very good. That is a very good. What was your coaching rating? Coaching, I actually had a three, and I, I kind of broke it down by the positional groups. So receivers, I had a four. I think Carlton's fantastic. Yep. Uh, Alford, I got a, I got a three for him. Two for Stradawa. I'm just not sure with him. Four for quarterbacks. So Day and Yersich, I'm, I'm feeling good about them. Offense, I think it's a four overall. I think there's a lot to, lot to like with the coaches there. You know with. Ryan Day leading the offense with uh, Mike Yersich coming in, and then even Kevin Wilson. You know, you got a good veteran mind in there. So, yep. Uh, defense, I was a little more shaky on. Though I, I gave the D line a four. That's an obvious one. 
Um, secondary, I actually gave a three because I think Halfley's going to be a stud. I just, yep. you know, everything I've read and everything I've seen, he just seems like one of those guys who loves to teach and he relates to the, the kids where I think you have Bill Davis who, you know, maybe he understood things, but he just did not relate to these kids. So I feel like you got a guy in there who's really going to teach these kids how to play the, play the DB position. Um, linebackers, so I actually gave them a two for Washington. And I'll tell you why. Okay. I think Washington is just a bit young, and I'm one, I'm very concerned that he is not going to have the courage to bench uh, Tiff or Pete Warner. Um, I think that that is going to be, um, you know, his defining characteristic. Because last year we had three linebackers, and I think two of them should not have been on the field at okay. most, of the, you know, most of the time. And we'll see what we'll see what happens there. So, and then defensive coordinator, I gave that a two just because. Um, I think my, my boy Ben Flus talked about uh, you know not being crazy about Madison trying to GM scheme in instead of uh, looking at the personnel. So right, a little more more concerned on the defensive side, but overall, I'd still give him a three. Okay, I think we still have one of the best staffs in the country. So. Okay, what did you think? Of that? So with your overall offense and defense rating, which includes de- you know the the coaching talent, but also the personnel, what was your rating for the offense? Uh, rating for the offense was I'd give it like a three and a half. Okay. And for the defense? I'd give that probably a three. Okay. I'd, I'd give that like a two seven five to three. Okay, okay. I, I think, think it's going to be a lot better than last year. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it, like, you're like, how could it be worse, right? Like, this is <laughs> by the Ohio State standard, it could only go up. I mean, I guess they could be the 100th ranked defense in the country, but they're Ohio State, so they're not going to be that. They have to I mean, go up. Yeah, they could look like Oregon and be a sieve, but I don't think that will happen. Right, okay. So what was your recruiting rating? So, recruiting, I actually gave a two when you asked the question on Twitter. Okay. Um, But I'm going to make the case for both a two and a three, because the more I think about it, I think it's probably closer to a three. Okay. So, the way I look at it, OSU's baseline right now is a three. Like, it was was 100% a four under Urban Meyer, right? Like, I don't think anyone would argue that having, you know, consistent classes in the top five, you know, two classes in the top three, you know, in the last three or four years, like, he just set a standard that, it's going to be very hard for us to measure up to. I mean, it was us and it was us and Bama basically every right. year, you know. So I don't know that you're going to touch that. So if you make the case for the two, it's it's pretty simple. It's Ryan Day just hasn't really proven it as a recruiter, right? I mean, he's done a little bit, but he just hasn't done a lot. You know, he, he has not brought in multiple classes year in year out. You know, so we're going to really uh, have to be patient to kind of see what he um, what he's capable of as far as a recruiter goes. Um, I'll feel more comfortable with him, I think, if he's able to bring in a couple really good classes in a row here in 2020, 2021, 2022. If he can hit on a couple top five classes in there, I'll really start to um, believe in him as a recruiter. Um, I think some of the questions with him, though, are obviously like, you know, if assistants leave, i.e. Larry Johnson or... Um, right. You know, even you lose like a Brian Hartline or anyone really, you could lose some some really good coaches, and you know, all of a sudden that the recruiting could take a dip. So, um, I think I'm also just naturally a little pessimistic, so that's why I went with the two there. So, Nick, um, Nikki Unders, you said when we talked about this that again, you're like you're not a person who follows recruiting, you know, detail by detail. So I, that's why I think it's interesting to talk to you about because sometimes it's like, okay, you know, sometimes the people who know, oh, here's the the three tight ends they're going after in this class really, really understand it. I don't even know it to that degree sometimes. So my overall question, the thing that's interesting to me about this, Nikki, is that 
Clearly under Trestle, they did not recruit like that, right? They owned Ohio, and they went and plucked guys here and there. They got a Malcolm Jenkins out of New Jersey as a three-star, or James Laurinaitis out of Minnesota as a three-star. When they went to Florida, you know, Santonio Holmes was a Florida receiver, but he wasn't the best receiver recruit in Florida. He was a three-star. And then these guys turned into great players, and sort of like the national, it was like national three-star guys who supplemented owning Ohio, and that was enough for them, you know, to play in consecutive national title games in six and seven. They obviously won it um, in 2002 in year two. I didn't know necessarily that Ohio State could recruit at the level Urban recruited at. So, like, as you look at it as someone who cares about recruiting and cares about this team but doesn't follow every second of it every day, do you think Ohio State can maintain that kind of national brand in recruiting? Or do you think that was mostly Urban Meyer related? Uh, I I, I think yes. I I think they can. I think it will be tough just because I, I, I think that with Urban Meyer, you had one of the best recruiters of all time in college football history. I mean, I, I think you look at his track record both here at Florida, or at Florida and then here at Ohio State, you're, you cannot argue what he did and what the classes he was putting together, right? Um, you can't. I think that you can't, right. You, I think you will see. Uh, I guess the way I would say it is yes, they, they can maintain it because you... You don't, you don't need to, like, Ryan Day doesn't need to build anything, you know. He's already got this nice runway already set up for him, so he should have success around. I mean, he has the, the program and the staff in place to recruit at a high level. You know, with Mark, um, Mark Pantone, with uh, Ryan Stamper and player development, you've got good guys, you know, running the program. And then just the fact that I think that Urban really upgraded the program in general. I think he upgraded the facilities. I think that that real-life Wednesday program really seems to have struck a chord with uh, recruits, with their families, with people. And um, obviously, like, you've got a good city on your back. You know, it's you're recruiting to Columbus, Ohio, which, you know, people will say what they will want it, but I would much rather live in Columbus, Ohio than Knoxville, Tennessee, or Birmingham, or Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or any, you know, like, it's, it's a good city to live in, I think that's always going to be a strength, so I think that inherently there are a lot of um, strengths playing to Ohio State's advantage, which leads me to believe that they can continue to recruit at a high level. Um, the Urban Meyer level, I mean, well, that remains to be seen, but they, they should be able to recruit at a you know, national top 10, top five level. Because that is like, that to me is sort of like just the underlying idea of that, of when a coach is successful, you sort of meld the coach with the program, obviously. And I think Trestle got to that point where, you know, Jim Trestle was Ohio State football. And then Urban got to that point where Urban Meyer was Ohio State football. And then it's sort of like, how much does the program retain of the coach when the coach is gone? And what that means, I think, with Urban primarily is a lot of that is the recruiting is the sort of the sizzle the glamour the high profile the NFL factory all this stuff that urban really made it a place cuz cuz honestly Nikki we know that the thing that that's going to be hard is it makes sense for Alabama and Clemson and Texas and Florida State and USC it makes sense for them to recruit at a high level cuz they have great talent in their backyard every year it gets a little bit more difficult to say, well, we're going to own Ohio and have that as the foundation just because of the demographic shift of the whole country and the demographic shift of talent. Ohio State has to go get national guys from Texas and Louisiana and Georgia and Florida and California. And, like, 
that uh, Alabama has more guys in their their radius, their driving radius, has more five stars than Ohio State does. It's just easier. So I'm just really curious about. It's it's a little bit of an uphill battle for anybody north of the Mason-Dixon line, and Ohio State, in a lot of ways, has been the exception to the rule. They found a way. And is was that because they're Ohio State and it's going to continue, or was that because they had a national championship coach who had recruited in the South, had those connections, had gone national, and that's what allowed them to build that foundation? I, I just think that's going to be a fascinating thing to see that answered going forward. And that was a long thing, but I want to go beyond recruiting now, Nikki. And here's what I want to get to with you. Can I ask you one quick question on recruiting? Yes, sir. Urban Meyer still being with the university with the program, how do you think that impacts recruiting? How how do you think he sort of um, lends a hand to help Ryan Day, you know, land certain guys? Like, he's obviously not going to be coaching guys, so I don't know that means as much, you know, when he comes into a meeting, but does that help in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, I I, I really almost think it doesn't, and I almost think there's going to be a point where if Ryan Day's in his office and a kid's on an official visit and Ryan Day's cl- trying to close that kid in the coaches, the head coach's office at Ohio State, if Urban Meyer walks through that door, I almost feel like instead of helping, it almost cuts Ryan Day's legs out from under him. Because if you're that kid and that kid and that family are in that room, that head coach has to close the deal. It can't be like, well, now we'll bring in the closer, who's the former coach who's now in charge of the Real Life Wednesdays program and has an office across the street. You know what I mean? Like, it's all, it would almost be like, well, I can't do this myself. So, I, I, you know, I, I just, if a kid wants, if a kid's impressed by Urban Meyer, by Urban Meyer, he wants to play for Urban Meyer. So he's got to be impressed by Ryan Day, the assistants, the program, all the stuff you mentioned. And all that stuff is impressive. But I just feel like that is not going to be a primary component of that. Maybe Urban comes in and says hello, just like they say hello to Gene Smith and Michael Drake. But Gene Smith and Michael Drake aren't closing anybody. And I don't think they can be in a world where the assistant athletic associate athletic director can be closing anybody, even if that guy is Urban Meyer. Do you agree or disagree? No, I think that, I think that's fair. I think yeah. that's a fair point. I mean, I, I was more or less curious to hear what your take was. Yeah. Just I, I, I'm not close to the program, so I don't know, like, yeah. you know, the ins and outs of recruiting and, nah. you know, what, what these kids really lean on and like to see. So. Nikki, I'm just, I'm just making it up, man. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to get in the head of a 17-year-old, the psychological profile. So I don't know. Maybe Urban Meyer comes in and flashes a ring and the kid signs. I don't know. That could work too. Um, could work just as well. Yeah. All right, Nikki. So here's where I want to go, big picture, as we as we wind this part of it up, talking to to our most loyal listeners. The patience, potential patience needed for Ohio State fans. I don't know if they're going to need it or not, but. For our Project Text people who, who have signed up for our texting, I sent this out to them this week, that there has not been an Ohio State head coach who was coming off a four-loss season since Jim Tressel in 2005, because that takes away Luke Fickle, who had his 6-7 and seven season, but was gone as the head coach and didn't have to try to like live off of that. So Jim Tressel, he gets here, he wins a national championship in year two, in 2002. They're still really good in 2003. They have a reset year in 2004. They go eight and four. And then what they gear up for is a great run in five, six, and seven. 
But Ohio State fans haven't needed to be patient because, like, they sort of had to be patient with this Trestle guy, and then he won a national championship in year two. So do you think Ohio State fans will be, can be, would be patient if, for instance, Ryan Day goes, like, 9-3 and three or 8-4 and four in 2019? Will it? Will they? I think I'd tackle it first, and I think the answer is no. I think just inherently we're kind of spoiled as a fan base, and I just think that, you know, we've, we've got a standard now of college football playoff or bust. You know, like, it, think about how many people you talk to that, you know, like if, it, myself included, I have to remind myself, you know, like we just won back-to-back Big, tw- or Big Ten championships, went to, uh, we went to play, or not playoff bowl games, but the, what do they call that? The, yeah, the non-playoff games. Or the, yeah, whatever the play. I think they call them play, well, yeah, playoff bowls. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but like you, you get two, you know, nice bowl wins in the last two. I mean, those are realistically very good seasons. But when your your standard is literally at the beginning of the year, you should be competing for a national championship, and you're not in that final four. It's tough, you know. I mean, so I think that the patience is going to be extremely trying and extremely tough for this fan base. I mean, myself included. I think I think we're not accustomed to, you know, teams that, I mean, you, you, you've seen it, we lose a game to Purdue or Iowa, and people are sending you tweets and, you know, about how Urban Meyer needs to get fired, right. you know, bench, bench Dwayne Askins, you right. know, the sky is falling. Yeah, so. that's true, sometimes people weren't very patient with Urban Meyer, and he lost nine games in seven years, so, um, <laughs> myself included. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really interesting, because, because, um, the, the thing, Nikki, that I that I always has always have talked about is because you know they really haven't made since the national championship. Ohio State has not made a playoff impact. You know they blew it in fifteen when they were clearly one of the four best teams, but didn't get in. They made it in sixteen, probably when they shouldn't have, and got shut out. And then they didn't make it in seventeen or eighteen. So you go from a national championship, and then if you would have said after that national championship, Urban Meyer will not win another playoff game. I think people would have said, you're crazy. Of course he's going to win another playoff game. At least get back to a national title game. So, But the thing that I think has mattered, Nikki, to me is Ohio State absolutely has competed for a playoff spot the whole season. That you went into like every year, basically until the last week, the, you know, the announcement of who made the playoff, you thought Ohio State might get in. Right, And so that adds an importance to every game. And so the thing that I really think would be a shock to the system for Ohio State fans is something like, uh, you know, they're three and two. And all of a sudden, when the first playoff rankings come out in the middle of the year, like Ohio State's 21. And it's like, well, what? Would we be that good? You know what? I, like, like, like that. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. I mean, even they, maybe they wouldn't even be ranked, right? Yeah. That instead of trying to see, oh, well, are, are, is Ohio State going to be eight? Are they going to be five? Are they going to be eleven? Who has to lose for Ohio State to move up? Like, you're not even in that conversation. That's the thing that I think will be the real test because. The fun part of a football season at an elite program is being in the conversation the whole time. So, Nikki, as a fan, what would that be like for you? That like your conversation is, oh well, you know, I wonder if we'll make the, you know, the Citrus Bowl or the Blue Bonnet Bowl or whatever. Because I don't even know what those bowls are called. Because Ohio State hasn't lived in that world in 15 years. What do you think that would possibly be like? I mean, that would be. It would feel like the the world is crashing down around us. You know, it would it would be catastrophic. I think for for the fan base because, like you said. I, 
can you, like you were saying, like, could you imagine if, you know, game one against Florida Atlantic, you know, they struggle to barely beat them on like a late score. And then all of a sudden, you know, a week or two later, you're losing to Cincinnati and you're just, you're, you're a team that you can just see is in disarray. And then you're going, you're limping into Big Ten play against a much improved Big Ten. Like, yep. you're just prepared. You're, you're wondering at that point, can you even get to a bowl game? Yeah. yeah, that's not something that we are accustomed to. That's not something that, frankly, I think fans are okay with. And you know, I think Urban has set a standard, and it's you know Ryan Day is going to have a lot of pressure to live up to live up to it, right or wrong. So, and, and I don't, and I do think like I'm just, I don't like that's not my prediction necessarily of what the season will go like, but I certainly think it's more in play than it has been. Probably any time, you know, since 2012 at the very least, when you thought Urban's coming in, you know, is Braxton ready to be the quarterback? What's going to happen? And then they go 12 and 0, right? So um, I, I just think it's it's possible because, as you said, the Big Ten is better. You're just not sure about the defense. There's a new quarterback. You know, there's enough different things that I, that I think that's in play, and I just am sort of almost like trying to lay groundwork with fans of like, I don't I don't think it's going to happen, but like. To me, if they did go, and I'm not talking about like a four and eight year, but I'm talking about nine and three or eight and four, and I do just think if that would happen, it would not, it would not mean that the program has fallen apart. It would just mean, you know what, you have a changeover, your conference is good, sometimes you lose three or four games, stuff happens. But, but maybe people wouldn't see it that way. But so to finish this up, Nikki, as we think about that, like, how possible do you maybe think that is? Or are you sitting here at the moment fully expecting, you know what? If not 12 and 0, 10 and 2 at the worst, maybe 11 and 1, compete all year. That's what I'm expecting from Ohio State. Is that is that fully your expectation or what's the percentage chance to you of of a year where maybe you, you are, you know, 4 and 2 at the midpoint and out of the the playoff conversation? I mean, I think that real uh... Optimistically, I think that, you know, we have another chance to, you know, in an undefeated season on a playoff berth, right? But I think that completely 100% hinges on Justin Fields' development because if he's able to pass and play in the Ryan Day offense that the way he's going to want, I think that will determine everything. Like, if, if Urban Meyer was still here, I think he would run run fields like he was JT Barrett, you know, yeah. we'd run 30 times a game and we'd find a way to eke out wins, you know, 17 to 14 every week, you know, it, it would be an awful brand of football to watch, but you know, it, it would get, it would probably produce a lot of W's, you know, I think Ryan Day is going to want to run more of a system and it's going to be up to fields to learn it and if he does I think we can win 11, 12 games easily, if he does not I think you're realistically looking at 9 or 10. Nikki Enders, how did you come to Buckeye Talk? How long have you been listening? Oh, boy. Um, so when it was the bad podcast, oh. I did not listen. I, was... You know, I don't know why. I just <laughs> never got around to it. But then it became Buckeye Talk, and I think I, for whatever reason, Buckeye Talk had a better ring than bad. So I think yeah. you know, that just sort of stuck for me. I, I don't know what that was, that we actually put what the subject was in the title as opposed to a title of a podcast that drove you away by saying this podcast is terrible. That was a good switch by us, I think. Um, uh, anytime you can be associated with the Buckeyes, that's a good... I'm still waiting for us to get sued by Ohio State for having it called Buckeye Talk, but I'm glad it brought you in, Nikki Unders. <laughs> it certainly did, so glad to be here. Well, thank Thanks you for, for your me Thanks for your time. Appreciate your insights, and I'm sure uh, we'll hook up again down the line, Alan.
All right, sounds good. All right, thanks, Nikki. So thanks again to Chase Richardson, Cynical Negro, Nilly 97 and Nikki Unders for taking time to do that. That was fun. I really did like that. That was even that went even better than I thought it was going to. Um, and I have high expectations for this podcast all the time, as you know. The highest. Sometimes we fall short, but often we reach it. And that was great. I want to do that again. I, I'm going to use you guys now. The best thing that a worker can do is to force his customers to do some of his work for him. So you as listeners of this podcast are my customers. You help keep me employed. So if I can force you to come on the podcast, that's a win for me. And ah, maybe a win for you. I don't know. So we'll, we'll do that again. Let's make that like a regular thing. Maybe maybe every couple months we'll have a fan podcast and bring people back. So I, I want to go over um, what I thought about this because this is sort of where this stemmed from, thinking about um, – the state of the program. And so I gave my answers on text message um, this week. And again, if I could just really encourage you guys to try this project text stuff again, and you can find it at the top of my Twitter at Douglas Maurice or visit cleveland.com. We're advertising the heck out of it. You can't miss it. So I sent this out. Here were my ratings about everything that we just talked about. So overall, my overall rating was a three. Offense was a three, defense was a two, and then I gave myself some leeway here because I made up the questions. Recruiting and coaching to me were both a 2.5. So someone had said, it's funny, like my my ratings were a three, a two, a 2.5, and a 2.5, but yet my overall was a three, right? Well, it's like how could you average out those four ratings and get a three? And here's my point about this. As one of the smart podcast fans said earlier, I can't remember who it was, Ohio State is almost too big to fail. And this goes back to the indestructible series that Ari and Bill and I wrote several years ago. We argued that Ohio State was as indestructible as any team in American sport, not just college football, not just college, but we compared them to the Yankees. They are almost too big to fail. Who they are, their tradition, their facilities, their money, where they're positioned in the country geographically, who's around them, who they're going against. You're, you're talking about Ohio State competing against Alabama, Clemson, Texas, all those schools. But really, you know, the, the teams they play, to avoid failure, they have to beat Minnesota and Rutgers and Maryland and Iowa and Indiana and Purdue and Michigan and Michigan State and Penn State. And, and like they're just going to do that. Like, it's almost hard to wrap your head around how Ohio State could go 4-8. and eight. What would that even look like? And I know you can play this back in 70 years when they go 4-8. and eight. But the point of it is that I think you can have questions about this part, that part, this part. But you believe enough is going to work that I'm a 3 on the overall. Even if I'm a 2 here, a 2.5 there, I'm still a 3 on the overall. Because some stuff's going to work. And even if you're worried about two or three things, you don't really think all three are going to go south. If you're a little worried about the recruiting, well, you think the offense will work. They'll get a quarterback. It'll be fine. If you're a little worried about the defense, you think, well, they'll still have good assistant coaches, right? So I'm an overall three. Here's where you guys came in. In the Twitter poll, I tabulated this, all the votes, and added up the averages. And you thought the same Thing And there's an interesting revelation here that informs me how people are thinking. 
Your lowest grade overall was a 2.52. I averaged all the voting, the 4321, right? The lowest grade was a 2.52. See if you can guess which one it was for. It was the defense. Next was recruiting at 2.61. Next was the offense at 2.99. Then we had the coaching at 3.03. And overall also was 3.03. So the thing in a world where Urban Meyer just left, the thing you feel best about with this team is the coaching. And that spurs the overall feeling, which is higher than your individual feelings about the offense or the defense or the recruiting. That says a lot to me about how people are feeling about Ryan Day. That you have questions about the offense because they lost a lot of guys. You have questions about the defense because there's all the new coaches and they weren't good last year. You have questions about the recruiting because who can recruit like Urban? But really, you kind of think Ryan Day is going to make things be okay. So when you look at the, who, the, the percentages for a little bit worried, right? Your overall for the worried was, was for the overall feeling of the program was only 2% worried. Your feelings on Ryan Day and the coaches, only 2% worried. Your feelings about the recruiting, 6% worried. Your recruit, your feelings about the offense, 5% worried. Your feelings about the defense, 7% worried. So really, Ryan Day, when we break it down, the highest percentage for Ryan Day was 61% felt very good. 22% felt fantastic. 15% okay. 2% a little worried. So in a world where Ryan Day has never been a head coach before, other than three games last year, we're talking 83% of respondents in a Twitter poll are feeling either very good or fantastic about him. You guys have confidence in him. You're a little worried about the details, but overall, you have confidence in the coach and the program. You're just not exactly sure specifically how they're going to get there. I think that is very interesting. And I honestly am, I'm not surprised, but I'm intrigued about that much faith in Ryan Day. I'm not saying it's misplaced. And I'm, I'm betting, I'm betting you, a lot of you who maybe voted a three were like, well, you maybe were between a two and a three and you lean three, right? Although there were more fantastics than there were okays. But you lean to the very good because there's something about this guy who just turned 40 years old, who has a reputation of offensively, who has a reputation now among quarterbacks that want to come here, who has NFL experience. All these things, there's something about Ryan Day that you believe in. We're going to get to the Ryan Day part of this series at the end of this. But I think that was a very interesting outcome of this. Okay, so now I want to run through a couple of the answers that I got uh, specifically from people on our project text, right? So I'm running through first the subscribers, uh, the people who have signed up and are paying their $3.99 a month. Thanks to all of you who have done that. Here's an answer. Doug, here you go. Offense, 2.5. Wholesale changes on the offensive line and a rookie quarterback running the show. Even with Urban, this would be a concern. Valid. Defense three, so much returning, including our best player at defensive end, Chase Young, needs to stay healthy. Recruiting, 3.5. I like what I see so far. I do think there's some interesting strategy things with Ryan Day, with hitting some of the Ohio offensive linemen. 
He got the quarterback locked in for 2021. He's had Jack Miller locked up for, uh, for 2020 for a long time. They're going national with the skill position guys. Um, they've got to convert. They've got to like turn some of these guys they're interested in into commits. But I think the strategy is interesting. I think there is going to be maybe more balance of, of, of hitting some Ohio stuff early, which Urban didn't do as much because they had such success nationally. But, but locking down some Ohio early and still going national, definitely enough. I still do a great deal. Um, I think the strategy is pretty decent so far. You just got to see how they lock it down. Coaching, 3.0. Day's first three games could not have gone better. Here's a po- an interesting point. I'll add one more for you, says this writer on the text program. Special teams, most worried here with a 1.75. Do you feel comfortable at kicker with a game on the line from 45 yards out? It's been a while since Ted Ginn Jr., and I've yet to have a Ginn-like guy since his departure. So we've talked about that a lot. Punt return game is just leaned toward safety back there, putting back K.J. Hill, a guy with good hands. They have not really tried to be dynamic back there. They are not as dynamic as some teams. I think someone asked about this on the on the text messaging this week, and I replied and said, you know, I think they feel like they have a talent edge so many weeks. They just want to catch the ball and give the ball to the offense. Sometimes when you're the underdog, you think your best chance to score is to pop one on special teams. I don't think they've thought that the way. They they want to play it safe. Um, Urban had such a special teams reputation at Florida um, that really didn't follow here in a lot of ways. I mean, he was all about blocking kicks and stuff. Um, at Florida, you know, they did that a bit here, but like you think about special teams, it's like the Penn State field goal block that turned that game into a win at Penn State in 2016, right? I mean, you almost think more about the special team stuff that went badly to turn games. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, maybe somebody has one out there. Um, Denzel Ward blocked a punt the one time that was really big that helped change a game. I guess that was the Penn State game the one year. So we have seen it. Um, but I think they just played it a little more safe on special teams. And I think, I think Blake Hobbiel is going to be fine. I think Drew Crispin's a good punter. Like, I'm, I'm not worried. I wouldn't be worried. I actually think their, their kicking can be better. Um, Sean Nurnberger kind of had a weird career here. Um, I think they could be decent there, but I, I'm actually really interested in the return game. Here's another one. Offense, 3.5. The offense is full of playmakers, and I think Fields is going to be a beast. Defense, 2. Until the defense can prove they'll be better than last year. Can't rank them higher. Coaching, 2.5. He agrees with my ranking, which I, mine was a 2.5. He said, I think Greg Studrawa might be a little underrated. Um, I don't know if anyone could have coached Isaiah Prince not to get at least one flag a game, but he did make strides. Um, likes Larry Johnson. Recruiting a three. Overall, 2.7. I mean, I think this is going to be an interesting few years. Day is replacing a guy who took the program to heights it's not been to, and that's saying a lot for a school like Ohio State. That, coupled with an almost completely new defensive staff, certainly leaves some big-time question marks. Another good one. I think, you guys, there's, there's, it's, I, in the end, it's just a little bit of a lean. Do you lean a little more optimistic? Do you lean a little more, eh? But I think that, you know, that, that lean... Is is the difference of are you are you leaning yourself towards a three point five or you're leaning yourself towards a two towards a two point five right? But you know I think that's almost where everybody is. So the the thing that I'm cautioning in this series and that I want to do with this and I want to do all year is just I I don't think we can I don't think you can tear down the program if they go nine and three, right? Here's another response: the expectations of this program are just so extraordinarily high. Whether it's fair or not fair, it's basically national championship or bust every season. And if he loses to Michigan twice in four years, Ryan Day, 
there's going to be a lot of people who want him out of Columbus. Not to say I don't think he can get the job done. I think he can, but there's always questions surrounding a coaching transition, especially when you're taking over for one of the greatest college football coaches in history. I'm surprised the least amount of worry isn't about our defense. I know we gave up a lot of big plays last year, but with 10 returning starters, coaching changes, and from what we saw in the spring, I'm pretty confident. So he's saying be most confident in the defense. Um, and, I, and as I've said, I think you just got to play the right guys, right? Like I think it's in there. I think you've got to get them in the right position, and then I think you've got to play the right guys. So that um, let me check. Let me check a couple more. Let me check a couple more. Again, this is I'm checking people who are subscribed to the texts, and then we're going to check our people who are, who are coming in free, right? Coming in free. We're going to check you guys. We appreciate you trying it out. Here's a little more pessimism from someone who subscribed. Offense, two. Defense, one. Recruiting, two. Coaching, two. Overall, two. Maybe better to do this after the season is over. Too many questions at this point on offense and defense and coaching. Again, I don't disagree with that. It's, it's hard to disagree with with anything that guys are thinking here. I think the things that I would disagree with are Ryan Day's the head coach, Urban's gone, they're dead. I would disagree with that. And I would disagree with they're 100% completely fine. Ryan Day is definitely going to be as good as Urban, right? Um, we Ohio State fans, another response. We Ohio State fans aren't very good at patience after the dynasty, dynasty Trestle and Urban created. Maybe our expectations are too high. A one-loss season or anything short of the playoffs are considered a bad year. Sure hope Ryan comes through. So, you know, I, I'll, I'll hit a couple more of these, but that's that's the point, right? That's the point. Uh, and this is the point, too. And, and, and we talked about this, I think it was with Cynical Negro. What are you comparing it to? Are you, are you comparing all this like to, to Penn State and Michigan and Michigan State and Nebraska and Wisconsin? Or are you comparing it to Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson? Sorry to be one of those guys, but what's some norming around the scale? When I said 4-3-2-1, 4 is the best. Is Clemson a 5 overall? Alabama, Oklahoma? I think coaching is close to a 4, although admittedly uncertain. But with respect to Pete Urban Meyer, coaching the last two years is a 2 or a 3. That maybe you thought what Urban and his staff, and it's hard to argue with last year defensively. And that's the thing. When I asked this, it, it was it's about the head coach, but the assistants also matter. And so when you think about what Greg Schiano and Bill Davis and that defensive staff did last year, how would you rate that? And when you think what offensively they did in 2015 with Ed Warner and Tim Beck running that show, and what they did in sixteen and 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 in fifteen and sixteen with those two guys in charge that wasn't good enough. What would you rate that? So each so three of the last four years, I would say offensively in fifteen and sixteen, and defensively in eighteen, you would absolutely point to a whole side of the ball and say that's not good enough. And if you were rating the coaching on that side of the ball, you would have been somewhere between a one or a two on offense in fifteen and sixteen, and on defense in eighteen. So if you're asking how good's the coaching going to be, and if you're turning, if you're trying to compare it that way, it's like, well, and we've said this before in this podcast, and you guys have thought it can't be worse. Continued on this message, I'd expect a hungrier coaching staff, better offensive coaching, and an upgrade on defensive coaching compared to the past two seasons. Give me the team's record over that time. And then an upgrade in coaching puts them at a four. I just don't see Urban turning the team over today if he wasn't ready. And I expect a Lincoln-Riley impact. We said, is it going to be Lincoln-Riley? 
we've got a texter who says, yes, it's going to be Lincoln Riley. Uh, let's see. Let's do one more. Someone says, feels kind of like giving a letter grade on the first day of class, so my overall grade is better than the sum of its parts as I'm basing it on expectations. And this person, again, followed what we said. Offense three, defense two, recruiting two, coaching three, but overall three, right? I think that's a very reasonable way to look at this. Um, threes across the board. Let's do one more. I'm more positive than what you had, Doug, but barely. Offense three, defense 2.5, recruiting three, coaching three, overall three. So that's pretty optimistic, and I'm not sure that it's deserved. Seeing the spring game raised more concerns than I've had about the Buckeyes in a long time. Fields looked totally unprepared to lead an elite team. Baldwin looked just as bad. I'm actually more comfortable with our QB backup now that Baldwin is gone. That's Gunnar Hoke in there. In the end, we have great talent, clearly the best in the Big Ten. I guess I'm assuming that will see us through. And that's not a bad assumption, right? Again, when we're talking about, oh, the coaching, oh, this, I mean... They didn't have great offensive coaching in 2016, and they made the playoff, right? They didn't have great offensive coaching in 2015. They probably should have won the national championship again with their not great coaching. But the whole point is, I think that offensive coaching is what held them back a big chunk of the year and ultimately held them back in the Michigan State loss that turned that season. So let's go to the free side. Again, with the way I'm doing this texting stuff right now, I send the same texts to everybody, but I've got one side that's the people who pay, and one side, that's the people who are free. And I'll tell you, at the moment, more freebies than paying people. You guys like the freebies. Guess what? So do I. Um, also takes the pressure off of me, because frankly, if you're getting it for free and you think I stink, you know, what am I going to do, right? It's free. If you're paying four bucks a month, then I understand if you want to complain. Uh, let's see. couple more from the free side of things. And I do, if you have questions about this text message thing, I respond whenever I can. I see every single uh, uh, text that you guys send. I can't always respond, but I see them all. Offense, three. Day is a legit play caller. Defense, two, although the scheme should be better, right? You have a belief that, that Greg Madison, and I'm not huge on Greg Madison, but that Madison and Halfley are going to put guys in better position than Shiano did. Recruiting 2.5. So far, so good. Just need to finish it off. Coaching three. I think Day is on the right track. Uh, let's see a couple more of these. And again, I, I think a lot of our text people are people who listen to this podcast. And so you guys know, um, I'm like super grateful for that because when we started this text thing, I'm going to tell you it really brought it home. We started this text thing company-wide. We have newspapers and websites all over the country, and they started this text thing in Cleveland, and they started it with four sports writers. Um, and I felt like out of anybody, thanks to you and thanks to this podcast, I had an audience that I could go to. And sometimes that's hard as a writer, but it reinforced to me – uh, and I'll admit that our audience has, has gone down lately, and the podcast hasn't been as good, and we're going to get it back, I promise. And I feel like the last couple of weeks have been good. Um, but I said, I know my people. I know the people who love the Buckeyes and who like this podcast. And so if you're asking me to sell this text thing, I know who I can go to, and that's because you guys have stuck with us um, for so long and have, and have made this podcast successful. Offense, three. Defense, 2.5. Recruiting, three. Coaching, 2.4. 2.5. Overall, 2.75. Uh, 
Um, he says if he's, he's a little uncertain now with the overall 2.5, the overall 2.75, but as long as Ohio State doesn't lose more than two games this year, then he's a three, right? So I think that's going to be a threshold. I think we're going to talk a lot about nine and three. And I think if you ask me today what my record prediction would be, I think it would be nine and three. And that might, a lot of you might think that's low. And I'll go back over the course of this summer and I'll, I'll rehash, if I can find as many as I can, what my record predictions have been for this team over the year. Uh, again, you can find people who predict them to go undefeated every year. Like, that's not what I do. Um, but we'll see how credible I am. But like, that's my instinct right now. My instinct is nine and three. So, you know, I, I, I'm curious maybe what your instinct are. We'll get to that this summer, predicted records. Offense, three. Defense, two. Recruiting, three. Coaching, two. Overall, three. I just can't give coaching higher than a two, given that Day's never been a head coach before. I can't give defense higher than a two without actually seeing them improve. Next one, offense three, purely on potential at quarterback, running back, and receiver. Could easily be four, right? Like if Garrett Wilson and Justin Fields hit and J.K. Dobbins gets back to freshman Justin Fields, I mean, J.K. Dobbins gets back to freshman, that'd be funny. J.K. Dobbins becomes freshman Justin Fields. If J.K. Dobbins looks like he did in 2017 and Garrett Wilson's a stud and Chris Olave follows up what he flashed and Austin Mack has the best year of his career, like that offense can get to a four, I think, pretty quickly. Defense, three. With Shiano and Davis gone, that has to count for something. Recruiting, three. There are 115 D1 schools that would swap classes. That's another thing. Again, it's great to keep it in context. It's like, oh, the recruiting. It's like anybody else in the Big Ten would take it. Coaching, four. Can count on one hand who would be an upgrade over Ryan Day. Think about that. Think about the confidence in a 40-year-old guy who's been a head coach for three games but never really been the head coach of a program. Count on one hand who you'd take over him. So if you think that, you're thinking Lincoln Riley. Because Lincoln Riley you would say that about. If you take Saban, you take Dabo. I don't know who else you'd take over Lincoln Riley. Kirby Smart had never been a head coach, got it going at Georgia right away. He was uh, an assistant for a long time with Saban, though, longer than Ryan Day. So if you get it, if, if it's the right guy in the right place, absolutely you can get it going immediately. And Kirby Smart and Lincoln Riley, if that's what we're talking about, if you think Ryan Day is that, then yeah, there's almost nobody you would take over him. Offense three, defense one, recruiting two, coaching two, overall two. I need to see it first. I feel good about Ryan Day. I feel okay about his defensive hires. I feel very good with the offensive hires. I just need to see it. So you guys get it, right? You guys get it. I got to do one more. Offense one, new quarterback and new offensive line. Defense two, can't get worse. Recruiting three, but play the young guys if they're better. Coaching three, because Billy the LB coach is gone. <laughs> I just had to say that. Overall, 2.25. Fear of the unknown for fans. So, all right, that's running through um, all that. I want to get to a quick question from the text messages, and let's see if I can find it. And if I can't find it specifically... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase it. Someone here it is. Here it is from a six one four area code. I do see your phone numbers. I, I I have done it one time. I clicked on something and I almost started calling the person's phone number, which like 
you know, I'm not going to abuse it, but your phone number pops up. The number that phone number that pops up for me is not my real phone number. And I hope if you get the text project stuff, you save me as a contact. But I do see your phone numbers, but it is not an invasion of privacy because I'm not going to do anything with it. I just hope I don't accidentally call you. If I start pocket dialing project text members, we're in trouble. Question, what's more likely to happen? Justin Fields being the Big Ten player of the year or either Matthew Baldwin or Tate Martell is the starting quarterback the whole season either at TCU or Miami. I think I would bet Justin Fields Big Ten Player of the Year. I don't think Baldwin, there's guys at TCU, my guess is Baldwin is not the starting quarterback all year at TCU. And I think Tate might have it for a while, but I just think with the first-year coach and Manny Diaz, they have some options down there. I, I don't know that anyone's going to be Miami's starting, starting quarterback the whole year. And, like, there certainly is a pathway for Justin Fields being the Big Ten Offensive player of the year, which is like he's the best of Justin Fields. He can throw it. He can throw on the run. He can hang in the pocket with a good, strong arm and make throws. He's got playmakers. And then, oh, by the way, he and JK run the zone read like really well. Like the pathway to Justin Fields being better. I don't, who are the other contenders? It's like, can JK, can he be better than Adrian Martinez and Shea Patterson and anyone else who, that, and uh, Jonathan Taylor? Right, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Jonathan Taylor, who's the running back at Wisconsin that I always think is overrated. Like, is there a pathway for Justin Fields to, like, the Ohio State quarterback is like always the leading contender for Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year, whether it's Dwayne Haskins or Braxton Miller or JT Barrett. So, I I would have to bet Justin Fields because, like, how could that happen? Uh, That could happen, like, if he's good, and like he does. It's like he could be the Big Ten Player of the Year, not be a Heisman candidate. You know, because sometimes you don't find the world's greatest offensive players in the Big Ten. So I absolutely would lean towards Justin Fields on that. Okay, rapid fire on some Twitter questions. Uh, Let's see. Tyler Feeney at Tyler Feeney 1. May is a long way out from fall camp and the start of the season, but is there a chance each week... You guys take some time and do a preseason ranking of sorts, whether it's an offensive player of the year in the Big Ten, defensive player, et cetera, maybe even take a look nationally. That's a good idea. I'm going to tell, I'm, I'll tell you this, Tyler Feeney. There are rankings I'm going to do. I feel like I have yet to really, 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 really wrap up the Urban Meyer era. So I have some plans for some rankings that I'm pretty sure you're really going to like. And we in the past had done a top 50 countdown of the best Ohio State players going into a year. We did a one year we did a countdown of the best 50 I think Big 10 players. So, uh that is a good idea. Um I never pretend to be an expert on national college football because I don't have time to be. If I'm going to cover this team and now I do other stuff too, but if I'm going to cover this team the way that I want to cover it and I think the way you guys want me to cover it, I just don't have time to be an expert on Texas and Florida State and Alabama. So there are other people whose jobs are to, to do all of that. But none of them, none of the national people know as much about Ohio State as I do. There are people who know as much about Ohio State football. Nobody knows more. So I'm not going to do a national ranking, but we can do some Big Ten and some, uh, some Ohio State stuff. Ben Hyde. I'm going to send this along to Stephen. I know I, Stephen's actually working on a story on this. I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, the best Ohio quarterback for 2020 to fit your plan for the Ohio State quarterback room is Dimitrik Crenshaw from Pickerington Central. 
top 400 national player, Central Ohio kid. Thoughts? Ben, Benjamin underscore Hyde. My thoughts, Ben, are that Steven's working on a story on this, trying to identify Ohio high school quarterbacks, as we talked last week, who could be candidates to come to Ohio State on a quarterback scholarship, probably with the understanding that they're not going to necessarily leave right away if they can't start. So I'm going to send that name to him. I don't know anything about him, but we're going to do a story on it because it's interesting. Nicholas Gaynor at Nicholas Gaynor. If you had to give an honest prediction for the upcoming season, what would it be in Ryan Day's first season? So I would say 9-3. and three. I think in there is like a, a two losses to good teams, whether that's, you know, if you want to throw the good teams, I think I saw a top 25 ranking the other day, and it's like I think, I think Nebraska, Wisconsin, Northwestern, who are their three crossover games in the West, are all in the preseason top 25. And then Penn State and Michigan are in the preseason top 25. I think maybe Michigan State wasn't. So that's five teams in the top 25, right? Let's go by that. If they play three, excuse me, if they play five top 25 teams in 2019 and they go three and two against them, okay, like you win more than you lost, and then you have one game you don't expect. Somebody jumps up and bites you. Cincinnati, Indiana, I don't know who. Just like we've seen the previous two years. Like, that's 9-3. and three. And that's, again, you have a winning record against ranked teams. So, like, that's where I am right now, Nicholas Gaynor and everybody else. That's where I am right now. Pete Kapotsky, Pete Kapo. We'll put him on the list next time we have a fan podcast because he has good questions. Pete Kapo. Which is more iconic and which would you rather have to wear to work every day, the Trestle vest or the Walmart khakis of Harbaugh? Was Trestle at the front end of like a, of a sweater vest revival? Here's the thing that I can't tell. I myself am not a fashionable. Eh, I'm going to take that back. I was going to be self-deprecating and say I'm not fashionable. For a lame 45-year-old white dude, I'm kind of fashionable. Kind of. I wear a lot of shirts from Kohl's. Love the Kohl's clearance rack. I've tried to wean myself off of that a little bit. The Kohl's clearance rack has, at times in my past, has been my happy place. If you find me a short sleeve plaid chaps shirt that's 70% off, that is pretty close to the ultimate day for me. Like, it's like, would you rather, like, you know, I don't know. Win a million dollars or get a 70% off plaid short sleeve shirt. I might take this shirt. Because if you have a million dollars, maybe all the plaid shirts will be gone by the time you get there. No matter, you know what I mean? Like they say money, money can't buy happiness. Money can't buy a short sleeve plaid shirt if the short sleeve plaid shirts are sold out. Think about that. So I feel like this trestle vest was maybe a little bit ahead. I can't tell with the younger generation. I cannot tell with millennials sometimes, like, what's ironic and what's serious? And, like, people who grow, like, an ironic mustache when you're 22, but then you have a mustache for six years, like, are you being ironic anymore? Or do you just have a mustache, right? Or, like, if you wear a sweater vest, because maybe it was, but, like, you wear it three times a week, isn't it just what you wear? But I do think, right, the zip, the pull, the pull zip, the zip top, Dan Lobby from the Browns Beat wears, am I like three? The zip pullover sweater, it's a lighter sweater with the zipper, what do you call it? The zip pull? The zip pulls are like there, people wear those, right? They have those at Kohl's. But I also feel like the sweater vest is there. So I mean like the khakis, the Walmart khakis. I mean if you want to wear Walmart khakis, that's fine. I, I have a lot of khakis. 
But I, I would rather wear the sweater vest because I do feel like we've reached a point where you can wear jeans a lot, right? And if you have a nice sweater vest, maybe over a collared shirt, you're good to go. And then you don't need to wear khakis. Was that a good answer? Uh, Kyle Brandenburg at Mad Cow Design. He's on the list too. Always good questions. Kyle, we're coming to you next time we have a fan podcast. I feel like the start of the quarterback room issue started when JT came back for year five. So in a hypothetical world, where does the quarterback room look like if he doesn't come back? Does Dwayne start in a year and then they say he isn't ready? Does Burrow start? Does Dwayne's transfer? So I think really, and I know there's a lot of consternation, and we've talked about it. Again, the room that was, um, it's been pointed out, you know, a year ago in the spring, the room was Haskins, Burrow, Martell, Baldwin, and now they're all gone. Listen, the, the only thing you lost by playing JT, by JT coming back, and here's the thing. I know there was a world where, like, Dwayne thought JT was, was leaving. Like, JT, what was JT? JT didn't get drafted. Was he going to go to the NFL? Like, early? I, he, he didn't get drafted. So, I don't know. The only thing, it's like, there were there's like a half of a rumbling about, like, could JT be a, a grad transfer somewhere? But, like, I think that Dwayne did think that JT was going to leave. But, like, I always thought that didn't make sense. Like, did you watch him play? Is he an NFL quarterback? There was a time, and I'm sure I wrote stories. I talked to George Whitfield, that quarterback guru at the Combine one time, about JT as an NFL prospect. And let me tell you, <coughs> George Whitfield, if you're paying him, he'll say anything about you. So I think JT was working out with him at the time. And it was like, could JT Barrett be Russell Wilson? And it's like, no. So I fell in that trap for a little bit. Like JT, he's powerful. He's strong. Is his arm good enough? But, I mean, we all saw it. So I don't think you messed up the quarterback room by that. You just made it that Dwayne Haskins started for one year instead of two. I think Dwayne would have beaten out Joe. Joe still would have left, and then you still would have been in the same position with Martell and Baldwin. And do you believe in them, or do you want to bring in somebody else? Dwayne would have had the same path, just only another year as a starter. So I know what you're saying, Kyle Brandenburg, and I know there is some disappointment for some Ohio State fans. It's like, man, we only got a year of Dwayne. That's where that comes in. Other than that, I don't think JT coming back affected it. Alan Kitchen has a big question about the chances of winning a bunch of games, and I'm going to save it, Alan Kitchen, because it's really good, and you're also on our list. And Drizzy, get busy. You're on our list, too. Um, all right, I'm going to end it there. We've gone a good long thing. Not a lot of questions this week that we got to, so I'm going to save some of the best ones. I'll go back and go through it. We wanted to delve into the state of the, of the program. Uh, I feel like we did that. Please sign up for Project Text. If you're at all thinking about it, go ahead and do that. Pull the trigger. People do seem to like it. They're surprised at how much they like it. Keep listening to this podcast. Let's go see. You know what? Let's do one ratings because we haven't done ratings in a while. Um, and are they great? No, they're not great. Um, but, you know, I mean, what, what are you going to do? You gonna, are you going to hide from it? Are you going to hide from reality? Or are you going to read negative reviews about your own podcast on that podcast? Um, I'm going to do this. How about this one? One star, good enough. Good place to hear Buckeye news, and they don't overhype Ohio State because they aren't really fans. They just get paid to cover them. One star. Uh, Jake Burns is a co-contributor, and Jake was great a couple weeks ago. If you guys didn't listen to that for some reason, go back and listen to it. Doug, please work your magic and get Jake on the show regularly. Would be awesome to have his analysis consistently. I also think 
Jake is awesome. Best OSU podcast out there. Five stars. Thank you for that. Three stars overall. A good podcast. Um, oh, this is interesting. I, I wanted to get to this one. Overall, a good podcast. I've listened for over a year. Appreciate the straightforward approach and strong opinions Doug presents, but he appears to take it as a personal attack when someone else's opinion is different. This is not saying he's not open to others' opinions. It's clear that Doug is a very good journalist, but the podcast needs to have more than one voice. It's definitely better when Stephen is present with Doug. Podcast overall better when there is a duo or a trio, just like when Landis and Bielik were on. This allows for more insights and opinions. Is the cost-cutting causing more solo podcasts? No. Not cost cutting. Um, and um, I would say that I love differing opinions. I just wanted you to explain why. So if I ever sound frustrated on this podcast, it's with whenever someone is giving an opinion that I feel like is not backed up. Explain your opinion, and maybe I'll still disagree with it, but I'll understand what you're saying. So um, I, I, I can get that way. But I love to argue. I used to do these Bud versus Doug videos at Cleveland.com before Bud Shaw left us a, a year ago, and I don't get to argue with people anymore. Um, and I love a good sports debate. I, I love it. I love, man, I had, I had a debate. I think I told you guys this. I was at the Combine, and one of the Ohio State writers was there. And we had a debate about, like, the Baldwin Fields job competition, and this guy was like, yeah, I really think Baldwin has a legitimate shot. And I was like, you're nuts. Like, it's going to be Fields. Ryan Day has to say this stuff, but it's absolutely going to be Fields. And he was like, no, this, 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 and this. And I was like, no, this, 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 and this. Now, in the end, who was right? Was I right? Of course I was right. But, man, I wish you could have heard the debate because, like, we were going back and forth backing it up. So I love a good debate. You just got to bring your debating shoes, but I'll try to be nicer. Wait, no, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'll try to be nicer. Will I be nicer? Probably not. It's not really in me. Anyway, thanks to you guys for listening. Thanks so much to Nikki Unders, Gene Nilly, Cynical Negro, Chase Richardson. Great contributions. We will do that kind of podcast again. I don't know what we'll do next week. What we'll probably do next week is just question, 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 because this one week we didn't get many. Um, we did get some, but I didn't use many. So I will stockpile all the questions that we had that I didn't get to. The emailers, I know you're there. I haven't gotten to you in a couple weeks. We'll get to you. And we always appreciate you guys interacting. So um, thanks to everyone for listening. Extra thanks to anyone who has tried Project Text. It's a big initiative for our country, for our company, not our country. <laughs> it's not like a God bless America thing. You've got to pay for a text. But you know what? If you like Ohio State football, give it a shot. Um, Stephen will be back down the road. For now, I'm Doug Maurice. Thank you guys so much for listening. And that was Buckeye Talk.